from Maine. Praise God. We were talking today, you know, funerals, you uh, preparing for the funeral, you grieve and you hurt and all that, but you also laugh. And we were talking to, to Bo, to, or we were talking to Bo, uh, we were talking to Bo, that's a long distance phone call. We were talking to Kay, and uh, I said, now Kay, I said, you need to pick some good songs for the funeral. And she just, she just froze up. And I said, what, what's wrong? I said, you pick songs that, that, that Bo would love, that he, he liked. And she said, well, preacher, she said, his favorite song was, Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. <laughs> and we went on about a five-minute run of all the different country songs that I've ever had to preach behind at a funeral. Because people will come up and they'll say, oh, preacher, this was it. And I've preached behind the weirdest, most wackiest songs in the world. But uh, if, uh, Roy, if you could sing, friend, uh, if you could sing, uh, uh, Lord, it's hard to be humble for Bo next week. That'd be a blessing. But take your Bible to Genesis 3. Uh, excuse, me, excuse me, Genesis 4. Genesis 4. And last week, we, we took time to explain principles of biblical decision making. And we talked about how imperative it is, how important it is that we make good decisions. Now, I want to share with you what I believe one of the most important lessons you're ever going to learn in life is this. The devil will try to tell you that there is a hard decision and an easy decision. Like, uh, for example, the devil will say to you, oh, uh, serving God, that's so hard. And they'll say, oh, but, but serving me, that's so easy. And he tries to paint every decision as a hard or easy decision. Uh, and, and the illustration is this. Uh, when I was a young man trying to, to serve the Lord and trying to, to get my life together. Oh, it's so hard to serve the Lord. Uh, and, and I thought, well, the devil's way will be easy. So I left the Lord. I left the church. And, and I went out and, and I did it the devil's way. And boy, it was great for a season. Because the Bible says there's pleasure in sin for a... Yeah, but then there's the consequences of sin. And I found this out. Oh, my word. It wasn't the easy way. It was just a different hard a different heart. And so I've learned over the years there's no easy versus hard. There's hard versus hard. So, so for example, I've been married 31 wonderful years. It's hard to stay married 31 years. Uh, divorce is hard. Choose your heart. Divorce is hard. Choose your heart. Marriage is hard. Choose your heart. Uh, it's hard to Get good grades. If you're in school, you've got to study and work and get good grades. Uh, it's hard to repeat the grade over and over and over again to fail. It chews your heart. And you can go down any list. Yes, that's hard, but it's also hard the other way. You simply, as a Christian, tonight's Wednesday night, majority of people are Christians by testimony. It's the question of which hard are you going to choose? Are you going to choose the hard that has blessed consequences or are you going to choose the heart that has broken consequences now tonight we begin our character studies I was going to start with to me the worst story in all the Bible but we'll say that to next week next week as I read that every time I read the text for next week I just think to myself this may be the absolute worst story in all the Bible the consequences of sin in this man's life and what happened with him his children his grandchildren it just, it's one of, if not the worst, stories. And I almost got there. In fact, the sermon's already outlined, ready to go. But I 
was praying and thinking about it, and I went back to Genesis 4. And I want you to start at the end of the journey, or the end of the story, and then we'll work our way back. Verse number 13, Genesis 4, verse number 13. Now listen to what Cain says to God. Cain says to God in verse number 13, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Now think about those words. Oh, my punishment is greater than I can bear. And then in verse 14, Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from the face uh, from thy face shall I be hid, and I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, and it shall come to pass that everyone that findeth me shall slay me. Now, this sounds like a man who realizes he has chosen a hard path. He has chosen a very difficult path. In fact, uh, he is saying, God, I'm going to live outside your presence. I'm a fugitive. I'm a vagabond. I'm going to be prey. Somebody's going to kill me. I mean, this does not sound like a happy person at this point in his life. He has chosen a hard Now go back with me, and I want you to look at the curse. The curse. Starting at the end, we'll work our way back from the beginning. The curse is this. Cain, you made a choice. Now watch this. With every choice is a consequence. Some intended consequences, some unintended consequences. What was was Cain's choice? Well, right here, the choice is because you have risen up and slain your brother Abel, you are going to have this consequence, this punishment, this curse. And this curse is so great that Cain said, I can't take this. I can't handle this. It is a separation from God. He's a fugitive. He's a vagabond. He'll be a prey to anyone that comes after him. And it's one of those things where, oh my goodness, I didn't intend this. Watch me now. Every decision has an intended. In this case, I'm going to get even with Abel. That's the intended consequences. I'm going to justify myself. The unintended consequences, now God is holding him accountable. Now watch this. Here's your problem in decision making. You only think of the intended consequences and you never consider the unintended consequences. I, I explained to somebody the other day, uh, we were talking about a situation and I, I, was, I have to work through a situation and help a family. And I said, divorce, the gift that keeps on giving. 30, 40 years later, consequence of divorce and end of life issues and, and, and struggles and all these things. Well, back here, we fixed the problem. We're going to separate. Yeah, well, that's the intended consequence. The unintended consequence is now generations later, you're still reeling from that. Cain never thought when he took that rock, killed Abel. He never thought vagabond, fugitive. Pray, separated from God, thy face have you, have you hid from me. He never looked beyond the moment. Most decisions that get you in trouble are decisions made on the spot in the flesh. I've always said this, one good way to determine whether or not a decision is spirit-filled or flesh-filled is if it has to be done right now, it's probably flesh. i got, I got to rise up right now. I'm going to put an end to this able problem. Nobody names their kid Cain, do they? Got some Abel's in our church. 
I have too many Cain's. Why? Because Cain is a picture of someone that lives in the moment. I'm going to do this now. <laughs> what about the future? Forget the future. It is imperative that when we think about our heart, now watch me and listen to me. Was it hard in the beginning and we're going to cover that in a moment? Yes. But would you rather have a moment of hard and a lifetime of peace or a moment of peace and a lifetime of hard? You understand what I'm saying? A moment of hard that would have yielded a lifetime of peace or a moment of peace that yielded a lifetime of hard. I think the moment that that boy died, Cain's spirit was broken in him. You say, preacher, how do you know that? Because I may have never killed a man, but the moment that I violate the known word of God in my life, what I thought would fill me now fills me not with what I hoped would be fulfillment or contentment or joy or peace. I am now filled with anxiety, fear, guilt, shame, and it happens in a moment. I've seen it. Think about Tamar after Amnon raped her. The love that he had before the moment turned into putrid hate afterward. So we see the choice, number two. Now go back, and I don't even remember who I had this conversation. Oh, with Jerry. Jerry Roark had this conversation with Jerry Roark on Sunday night, and we were talking about the fact that who told Cain to offer sacrifice? Who told Abel to offer sacrifice? And uh, it is supposed, it is supposed. The Bible says in verse number one, and Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bare Cain. He's the firstborn. And she said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. She again bare his brother Abel, and Abel, Abel was a keeper of sheep. Cain was a tiller of the ground. Process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering. Now look at that little phrase, an offering. That's what it was. Now look at the little phrase, unto the Lord. Here's what it was. Here's who it's for. An offering unto the Lord. He made a choice. It's time to worship. And there's a supposition here. We know this because he knew it was time to worship. Now, where did that come from? Obviously, it came from God, probably from God to Adam, to the boys. It's time to worship. And he had something, whether specifically taught directly from God through his parents, but he knew it was time to worship God. And so he's going to obey. He's going to bring an offering. It's for the Lord. Now, if you doubt that he knew right from wrong, because I've heard some say, well, it doesn't tell us that he was supposed to do these things. There's no outline of what he's supposed to do. He had a pretty good illustration of what God wanted. When Adam and Eve sinned, what was the first thing God did? He killed something. Killed something. Probably a lamb. But something had to be killed because the coats had to be made. And that's where we get our first offering for sin. So we already had a vivid illustration. Hey, mom and dad, there was a price to be paid for sin. And that's been carried on now to us boys. And so he saw mom and dad, but he also probably had 
instructions. What mother and father would fail their children so miserably as not to instruct them, hey, there's going to come a time for worship. Here's what God demands. Now watch me. What God demands is not always what we decide. An offering, not the offering, because there's only one offering sacrifice that God accepts. He brings something. So there's a wrestling match. Now, I'm supposing a little bit, but you have to give me a little liberty here. The Bible doesn't give us great detail. It's time for worship. And Cain knows what God decides and has what God has demanded. But Cain is thinking, man, I am a tiller of a, he's a dirt farmer. And I had the best crop I've ever had. And nobody has grown watermelons like this. And nobody, by the way, there's only two other farmers before him, so you got to know he's a pretty good farmer, right? It ain't a lot, a lot of comparison. Nobody's grown melons like this and potatoes like this and corn like this. Man, I have grown an incredibly good crop, and I want to give what I have grown to the Lord. Don't tell me. Sometimes we read the Bible and we just skip through the emotional part. Don't tell me that there was not a moment that Cain said, hmm, I know what I'm supposed to do. I know what mom and dad told me about God demanding of them. But my impulse, my impulse is to bring what I want not what God wants. Now, here's the thing about it. And you don't have to. There's some things when I preach, I give you room. There are some things when I preach, I give you no room. Because I know because of Scripture and because of personal experience. There are times that you disobey God and you have to wrestle with the Spirit of God because He is stopping you, He is stopping you, He is stopping you, and you're running through roadblock after roadblock after roadblock, and you know that He is putting everything in place to try to stop you, and you are so headstrong and determined to do what you want. Some of you are being kind tonight and amen, and others of you are just oh men. Because you know I'm right. The Spirit of God convicts you. That's that still small voice. But he doesn't just do that. He puts stuff in your way. He puts people in your way. He puts situations in your way. He, put, he is physically, spiritually, I mean, he's doing everything he can to stop you. And yet, you are going to do what you want to do regardless of what God's word, God's spirit, God's people, what everybody in, the life, in your life that loves you, you are going to do Completely opposite. Why? Because I. Now what you've done, we talked about this, the altar of worship on Sunday. What you've done, God's now off the throne. Although you're saying worship of God, what you're doing is worship of self. Because it's your will, not his will. Jesus said, not my will, but thine be done. And we're saying, not thy will, but mine be done. Some of you have worked so hard. And, and I say some of you, us. We work so hard to justify. Well, you know, I put out a fleece. I would tell you what one old preacher said about putting out a fleece, but just let it be known that fleeces can get wet a lot of different ways. Fleeces can dry up a lot of different ways. 
Well, circumstances worked out. The devil can work out circumstances, situations. Well, it just seems to all fall in place. Uh, listen, be careful. Be careful. Now, the choice was, now here's, here's the sermon in a nutshell. The choice was kind of hard. I, I, I want to give Cain a little bit of grace because I'm more Cain sometimes than I am Abel. Be honest. I have a hard time with me. My biggest problem is never you, it's always me. And so Cain is like, and I know what God says, but ah. And he wrestles with it and he prays. By the way, no need to pray the will of God when God's already revealed it in the Word of God. Oh God, but 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 my fruit. All the work, all the labor. I mean, this would be a, Lord, this would be a great offering. This would show you're giving us the ground, the produce of the ground. Even after dad and mom blew it, you're, you're still blessing us. And, and we're showing you how, how much we love. See, he's justifying. He's justifying. I'm, I'm showing you how good you are and how merciful you are. And, and, and you, 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 nobody, nobody would ever believe that after mom and dad's failure, you'd, you would bless us like this. Oh, and, and, and there's a battle. Now watch this. He's choosing his heart. He's choosing his heart. What he wants to do versus what he knows to do. Moment of hard, lifetime of peace. Moment of peace, lifetime of heart. Number three. And Abel, is, he also brought the first thing of his flock and of the fat thereof. Verse four. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. Verse 5, but, but unto Cain and to his offering, he had no respect. He had not respect. Cain was very wroth, that's another word for angry, and his countenance fell. Anger, depressed, discouraged. Sin brings shame. Sin brings guilt. And there is no better person anywhere in the world than, than the devil to remind you of your failure, your shame. He wants you to wallow in shame. God wants you to wallow in forgiveness. He wants you to wallow in shame. The countenance of Cain, the moment he did it, God rejected it. And he suffered from it. Angry. Who's he angry at? God. What do you mean? Not accepting my sacrifice. Now, if he, if he has a tender heart, he's angry at himself for falling yet again, for stumbling, for sinning. Oh, God, forgive me against thee and thee only have I sinned. He cries out like David cries out in Psalm 51, a psalm of repentance. Oh, no, he's mad. Not at himself. He's mad at God because God didn't listen to him. He's mad because God didn't accept his version of a sacrifice. His countenance is falling. He went from being, look what, oh, I'm worshiping God, to <clears throat> bitter, angry. Sin takes you into bitterness. Anger destroys, consumes, corrupts, corrodes. His countenance now, cast down, miserable. It's interesting. Now, you, there's just things you can believe or not believe. You can see a person who's in the will of God. You can see a person out of the will of God. The eyes are always the window to the soul. 
And you can, we can watch people, those that want to serve the Lord, those that want to follow God. doesn't mean they're perfect, but they have a heart for God. You can see and experience the joy that they have in following Christ. And you can see the bitterness and the anger and the guilt and the shame and the frustration in a person that for whatever reason is knowingly and willingly violating the word of God. Chance of Cain. By the way, let me ask you this question. Was his obedience hard, yes or no? Yes. Was his disobedience hard, yes or no? Yes. Do you think a million times over he would have chosen the heart of obedience after the consequences of disobedience? But watch me and listen to me and get, oh, in your spirit, get this. What's our principle, Brother Courtright? Consequences are inevitable, incalculable, and up to God. God rains judgment down on Cain. Now, I'm convinced of this, Mark. He didn't expect this. He thought everything was going to be hunky-dory. Instead, God has rejected him. Well, I, I, didn't, I didn't think that decision would lead to that because sin always takes you places you never would go. Sin always does things you never considered. I've, I've listen, 31 years of full-time ministry, lifetime of being in ministry, I've met, I mean, I want to say hundreds, I know I could probably say thousands and get away with it, but hundreds of people that started here, ended up there, and they're like, I never thought I would be there. Because one decision at one place took them on a journey, and now 15, 20, 30, 40 years later, they end up looking back and saying, oh, my soul, what happened? Here's what happened. When you don't obey it is not you that determines your consequences. Had a family, used this story before, had a family uh, come in the office a few years ago, and the husband was leaving his wife. Now, by the way, you could spin this, wife leaving husband, husband leaving wife, doesn't matter what it is, but the husband was leaving his wife. And the husband told me how this thing was going to turn out. True story, got my wife, was in the meeting. So if you ever doubt that sometimes I, might, I may exaggerate pastoral liberty, evangelistically speaking, I know missionaries never exaggerate. Or I've read your prayer letter, shut up, you know. That's good. We had revival. You have, you know, anyway. So this guy's sitting in my, de sitting in my desk. I'm, I'm behind my desk. And he said, I'm going to do this completely, completely a sin scenario. A sin scenario, a fantasy. I'm going to leave my wife. I'm going to hook up with this girl. I'm going to live here. My wife's going to live here. My kids are going to, I said, let me just help you. And I explained to him that if you go through with this, the first thing that's happening is I'm buying her the best attorney. I'm going to personally buy her the best attorney money can buy. I'm going to look for a woman who hates men. I told him that. I said, I'm going to find a woman. I explained in detail what kind of woman, by the way, who hates men. And I said, we're going to garnish your wages. And we are going to take everything we can because you've made all these little children over here, many little children. And I said, and we're going to make sure that these little children. And I said, here's what's going to happen to your son. And I walked down the probability of what happens to a son without a father in the home. 
and then I'll walk through with every child specifically the probability of what happens with girls who have no masculine figure in the home. I walk, and I, I was, it was counseling, so I was extremely vivid, detailed, and clear. And then I said, and your wife's not bad looking. I said, she'll find, even with all these little children, she'll find somebody and she'll live happily ever after while you're living in Motel 6 by yourself because once I take your money, ain't no woman going to want to be with you. Now, to God be the glory, one of the few times in 31 years of counseling, God got, and it wasn't this conversation. Some serious bad consequences had to happen in his life. But eventually, he got help, got right, and they are thriving today as a home. Praise be unto God. But it was a pastor saying, oh, no, you can build a scenario of how this is going to work out in your mind. Happily ever after, that's in Hallmark and Disney movies. There is no such thing as that in real life. And so when you think I'm going to do what I want and it's going to turn out right, you never violate God's word and it turn out right. Now, here's what's great about our God. Watch me. I love this part. There's a chance. There's a chance. So, so they're having this discussion. This is so stinking cool because Cain is talking to the Lord. And, 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 and God asks some questions. Can you see these questions with me? And the Lord said unto Cain, why are you wroth? Why is your countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? These are all questions. By the way, great way to counsel people is ask questions. If thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Three questions. Why are you upset? Why is your attitude so bad? Why, why do you walk around miserable? And wonder why you're miserable. You ever, think about, you ever think about that? You are out of the will of God. And then you go, I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't know what's wrong with me. You are out of the will of God. Let's start there. I need more pills. I need more of this. I need more of that. Let's start where we ought to start. Most of our problems, every one of our problems has a biologic or sin, sin root. Biologic means something is physically wrong with you. Figure it out, get it fixed. But most of what we, mental illness, uh, psychos, now there are people that, and again, biologics, there's biologics, you need your pills, stay on your pills. Preached this one time, and the guy went home and got off his pills. His wife called me and said, I can't do it. I said, I'll come over. I told him, get back on your pills. There's some people that you need stuff that your body's not producing. And there's a natural way to do it, get on it. Sometimes there's not. It's a caveat because some of y'all are going to go off with your pills tonight and your wife's going to call me or your husband's going to call me. I'm like, they did not listen to what I said. But I am convinced that this depressive, down, negative spirit for a lot of Christians is just living out of the will of God. And here's the thing. You've lived out of the will of God so long, you've convinced yourself something's wrong with you. Nothing is wrong with you that repentance and restoration won't fix. That may be a journey, maybe a process. But there's nothing wrong with a Christian out of the will of God that getting right with God will not begin the journey to wholeness. So don't worry around. I don't know what's wrong. I, nothing seems to turn out right. I, 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 everything I try to turn I don't know. 
why are you, why, what's, what's wrong with you? I said, why, why, Cain, why do you think you're down? Disobedience, why you're down? Why are you so angry? If thou doest well, shall thou not be accepted? Sin lieth at the door. There's a picture here. Some scholars agree, some scholars disagree. Who's your scholar? It's a picture here that there could have been a lamb very close proximity, and he's saying, look, there's your answer right there. Accept truth, get right, move forward. The, uh, the idea, sin lieth at the door. Some scholars say there was a lamb right there. He could have taken that lamb, gone and sacrificed it. God would have accepted it and move on. Now, the devil tells you you're too far. The devil tells you you've done too much. Here's the deal. Because of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, there is no too far for any person. What he's done is he's forgiven us eternally, and he'll forgive us positionally. We confess our sins. He's faithful just to cleanse us, forgive us all in righteousness. There, there is an eternal salvation, but there's also a restoration for every child of God. Why don't you just do simple question? Now, don't get mad. Some of you got a little angry right now. Why don't you just get right? Why don't you just say, I'm sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me. I want to put steps in place to bring forth fruit, meet for repentance. Why don't you just get right? But I'm going to hold on to me. All right? Keep being miserable. Keep being angry. But don't ask me, preacher, I need counsel. You don't need counsel. You need to get right. Counseling, very simple. What is your problem? What is your problem? What does the Bible say about it? Watch this. What are you going to do about it? The, the, listen, the great theologian Bob Newhart. Stop it! That's it. Number three. Question of addiction. Principle. All sin is addictive. We teach that. The dominion of sin that he deals with in the last part of verse number 7, he says, And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. You're either controlled by sin, or you control sin. Either deal, Here's the deal. Deal with your sin, or your sin will deal with you. He's saying, Cain, you're either going to go down this road or that road. The choice is yours. You're going to make a decision. To, to accept the sacrifice, put your fruit and vegetables away, and do right, or you're going to go down a hard road. You say, well, I'm going to do this one thing. Since when did sin stop with one thing? I'm going to think about a woman. I'm going to look at a woman. I'm going to lust after a woman. Oh, okay, I'm going to stop right there. Oh, you've started the motor, friend. You've, you've done cranked the engine. Every... every uh, some of you are old enough to remember um, Ted Bundy, one of the biggest serial killers in the world. And, and he did an interview with James Dobson. Some of you have seen that. He said it all started with dirty pictures as a kid. Dirty pictures. Dude killed a little girl in Tallahassee. I, I imagine when, when Ted Bundy was a boy looking at dirty pictures, he thought, I cannot wait till I get to the place where I kill a little nine-year-old girl. But what happened was he could not stop because once you start, there, there's really no end to that. 
It's a question of addiction. Where, where are you going to go? You're going to go a lot farther than you ever thought. Or you're going to accept God's forgiveness, God's plan, and move forward. And the choice is always yours. I, I let, we, we deal with the Calvinist battle around here. We, we don't deal with it because we've settled that. But, you know, what does God say? Well, let's, let me, God votes for you. The devil votes against you. You cast the deciding vote. You choose. Spirit of God is willing. Spirit of God wants communion more than you want it. Last, last one is, is simply this. Consideration. Consideration. Cain had a hard choice, and he chose his hard to the point where he said, Oh, God, this is too much. Unbearable consequences. Tonight, in this room, there are people wrestling with hard choices. Some of you may have wrestled with even coming to church tonight. I don't know. You may have read, oh, should I go or not? I don't know. I'm tired. I get it. It's cold. I get it. Oh, am I going to read my Bible? Am I going to do right? Am I going to show up to RU tomorrow night because I'm really struggling in these areas, and I know this will help me, but, man, you're making hard choices. Here's the deal. You're choosing your heart. You're choosing your heart. <clears throat> you're, you're choosing the heart of self-gratification, momentary pleasure. Uh, this feels good. I'm going to do it. Okay, you've chosen your heart. You've got your moment of joy, lifetime of regret. Or you choose your heart. Hey, I'm going to do my challenges. I'm going to go to discipleship. I'm going to stay surrounded by people that hold me accountable. I'm going to listen to godly counsel. I'm going to stay in the word. You're choosing your heart. You get the lifetime blessing of obedience. Isn't that what it all boils down to, choosing your heart? Oh, I've got to study for Sunday. I'm already in my mind. We're closing Wednesday night. Guess what? Sunday's coming. I've got to study. got to prepare. got to be faithful. got to do everything. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, I would just rather uh, be on a beach somewhere. Well, that's easy. I'm listening to all those Jimmy Buffett songs. It's all just enjoy the fruit. Over umbrella, a little drinky, everything's great. Move to Fiji, life's great. I'm sure Ghana's got great places, I have no idea. That'd be easy. Oh, wife, six kids, 31 years of testimony, three grandchildren. You, you, you and I have to choose every day our heart. Oh, serving God is hard. Yeah, I'm going to just tell you this. I've been on both sides of this fence. Serving God may be hard. But uh, I've been over yonder serving the devil. That's a hard you don't want to ever experience. Because it may be hard to serve a loving master. You have no idea what it's like to serve, and many of you do, I know, a cruel master. Choose your heart. Tonight's our first character study. And by the way, the Bible is full of men and women who had to choose a hard thing. The victorious ones, blessing. Favor. The ones who chose the wrong heart, heartaches galore, hurts galore, regret, shame, guilt, and consequences. Watch this. Next week, this one guy we're going to deal with, his consequences affect us to this day. To this day, the consequences of his sin affect us. Father, tonight I pray as we think about this. 
choosing of our heart. Lord Jesus, that you would give us, first of all, you've given us the word and you've given us the spirit. Now give us the desire to allow the spirit to guide us through the word to make the right decision. And help us to make that choice, that choice that although difficult in some ways, gives pleasant and lasting fruit. And to choose the right over the wrong, which gives us bitter, angry, frustrated, guilt-ridden consequences. Pray for tonight, those that are really in a bad place, those that are just kind of going through the normal things of life, and even those that are on the high side right now, each and every one, different season, different stage, but all of us must make a choice every day, a series of choices every day, to be obedient to thy will, obedient to thy word. Pray we ask now in Jesus' name, amen, amen. All right, let me do this tonight a little bit different. Uh, I, I would like for you um, just to meet these missionaries. So what we're going to do is I'm going to give you just some highlighted prayer issues, and then I'm going to ask both these missionaries to kind of give me the, the half version of your normal. That way we can at least meet you, and then we'll set up a time to figure out what, what we can do down the road. But uh, if you have a prayer sheet, grab it right quick. Uh, I mentioned the Bedgood family. Keep praying for them. The Conti family. Keep praying for them. Had a sweet service for Ralph. Uh, it was very interesting on uh, the service on Sunday. By the time we got done with the sermon, Caleb was able to pull up the day that Ralph came forward and got saved. We have that footage. And then he was able to pull up the day we baptized Ralph. And we were able to show that to the family. So that was precious and sweet. But to pray for the Conti family. Uh, pray for um, the Bedgood family. Uh, pray for George. Uh, pray for Pete. Now, both of these guys, of course, are home. They both decided no more care. Uh, I talked to Jennifer, and uh, Tim's been able, uh, one time at least for sure, talked to, to George. He's sleeping a lot. And uh, so, you know, and Pete is is kind of heading that same way. So just lift up Dale and, and Helen, all the families, the kids. And uh, that's a hard one. But God is faithful, amen? So you pray for them. And then uh, other requests. Now, we've got one tonight. Zach's going to have a surgical procedure to remove some benign tumors from his back. So pray for Zach, one of our school employees. Anybody else got a prayer sheet that you didn't get up to me? Anybody else got anything major that we didn't mention tonight? Nicole, did I leave anything off important off the sheet? Okay, so some of you did not hear this. Sheila was in an automobile accident yesterday. Uh, this is just after she's finally getting some relief from all that neck pain. And a, a lady just plowed her is what we understand. I, I don't know all the details. Do you have any of the details on that? Daryl? So pray for Sheila. That, that just breaks Mark because she's had all this neck stuff going on. Nicole? Yeah, Norma's having pain in her arm as well. All right, somebody back here had your uh, Amy. North Carolina. Okay. And then we have a mutual friend, uh, Piedmont Baptist Church, Brother Mike Edwards, good friend of ours. Y'all met Mike and Amy. Their nursery director just had a heart transplant night before last, and uh, somebody we met while ministering up there. And so just pray for that family, sweet family. Uh, Don? Don? 
Don, why are you sitting on that side of the church? Okay, Don is on that side of the church and Abby's over there. We are, this is the sign that Jesus is coming soon because they are out of their place. Mark and Naomi on the wrong side. Pray for Don's friend continue to stay in remission of cancer. Somebody else back here had a hand up. Uh, Gary. Okay, tough. Yeah, man. And the hits just keep on hitting. Kelly, rotator. Dallas, rotator cuff surgery. Dallas. Pray for Dallas's family, last uncle. Tough getting old, boy. It's terrible. Vicky. Ray, come on up. Preacher, come on up. Back on the heart monitor again. Can you see me? Pray for Vicky's eyes. Pray for uh, Rick and the team. They're heading up to the Bible barn. Bible Truth and Literature Foundation this week. Bible Missionary Truth. That, the name is the longest name in the history of Bible publishing. Uh, they're heading up to Shelbyville to put Bibles together this week. So we've got a good group heading out. Pray for them. Traveling mercy. Everything go well. Terry? Unspoken. Anybody else? Rick? Warren, uh, Miss Shirley, Shirley Moore. Got a plethora of, of our older folks just... Don Hollenbeck. Yes, ma'am. Sure. Her son in Georgia lost his job. He's sick. Just all kind of stuff here at the first of the year. So pray for Daniel Black. Daniel Black. All right, Ray Bolts. Uh, we met Ray years ago heading to Guyana. This is where Brad and Hasina are from. And he's going to introduce his missionary, his self, his wife, his, his, his work, and then our friend from Fiji. Thank you, Pastor. All right, I'm uh, Brother Ray Bolts and my wife, Kim. Uh, we've been missionaries in Guyana since 2012. We started a church there, Harbor Light Baptist Church, which is going very strong. And uh, this past year, we had uh, assisted with a second church plant. Uh, they had 70 in their first service, and uh, we're raising more support going back. Uh, our goal is to start our third church this year and our fourth church within a year. We have, uh, we've been training several national uh, men down there. Several have surrendered to be pastors, uh, so we're starting these churches with these nationals, holding them accountable and trying to reach as many as we can. And then we also like to uh, we started a children's home. Uh, we had four children with us, and we like to expand that and build a bigger one. So we have some nationals down there that want to work in the children's home as well. Good evening, church. My name is Josh Deku. This is my wife, Frances, and we have two children, Micaiah, four years old, and Josh, Jr., in the nursery tonight, three years old. 
And uh, we met uh, Brother Pratt and Sister Asina. They came over to Fiji last year, and that was a blessing to have them come visit. And about 50% of Fiji's population are Indians that the British brought over to Fiji. And it's a little similar if you understand Guyana and their history. And so it was neat to be able to have, uh, we have Indian people in Fiji, um, Hindus and Muslims. And so we had the opportunity to reach them and then the native Fijians as well. It all started with my father. He pastored in Pennsylvania. God broke his heart for Indian people that couldn't get into India. So God led him to Fiji where he's been serving ever since. I can remember before me, I was born in Fiji and blessed to be a dual citizen there, came back to the States, got my Bible college training, and the Lord called me and my family to go back. We just finished our first term over there of about three years, worked with my parents to see a church uh, start about two hours north of where we lived, and uh, we praise the Lord for that. And as we go back uh, in May of this year, Lord willing, we're going to see a replant of a church about two hours south on the main island. And we're excited about what the Lord is doing, Amen. God is working, and uh, it's a great privilege to be a part of his work, and thankful we could stop by tonight and meet some of you folks. And uh, if you ever get a chance, come over to Fiji and visit us. Amen? How many have ever seen Fiji water? It's good stuff. It really does come from Fiji. Uh, the church plant that we just uh, were able to be a part of this last term is near where that, that water is bottled. And so when you see it, maybe a good reminder to pray for Fiji and what the Lord is doing over there. So thank you, Pastor, for the opportunity to share. I don't, I don't think you can get to Fiji from here, to be honest with you. So, uh, both, both countries, English, because of the British colonization. So if, if we were to go to Ghana on a mission trip or go to Fiji on a mission trip, you can speak to people just like you speak to people here. Uh, it's, an, it's an interesting thing to look at what countries colonized what islands or nations and then the results of that. And you say, all, all colonization was bad. Uh, because of the British influence, there's tremendous opportunity. Uh, some of the other countries, maybe not so much, uh, but uh, it's an interesting thing. Uh, tonight, um, how many of you tell me we're at 81? 81. Now, we have two that are retired that we're supporting in their retirement. We have 81 missionary families, and uh, everybody gets at least 100 hours a month, some two, some four, depending on how they come out of our church or not. But my goal for our church, and I, I was explaining this to Brother Ray and his wife, um, you know, we have the mortgage that is always on the pressure, the pressure for our mortgage. Uh, Dr. Seitler taught us years ago, he said, if, if you want God's blessing at the church, you, you support missions. And, and I want our church to become so inundated with the understanding, the more we send the light, whether it's tracks uh, soul winning, reach one, bus ministry, outreach, good news club. So good to see good news clubs starting back today. Uh, Zach and Quinn and the teams in the in the high schools with the uh, FCA huddles, local evangelism, but then global evangelism, and uh, that's literally around the world. Fiji is literally around the world, and so when we when we think about oh we need stuff here, you get from God by giving to God. You don't give to get. But it is a byproduct of giving. And our church must be generous when it comes to missions and missionaries because we want God's blessing here locally. So I want to prayerfully consider these guys as we move into missions conference. We have several uh, ladies coming in for conference and some other things. So just a few days away, I want you to start praying for missions conference week. And they got a great week planned, got a great lined up. And just a couple of weeks from now, we'll be kicking that off. And so this is, uh, one old preacher said, it is the business meeting of the church. If you want God to bless your church, you'll be involved in missions. And I learned that 
uh, when I married into Valerie's family, God blessed us and God has always blessed us because of a commitment to missionaries. And so we'll talk about these men and figure out a plan with that. I want you to go by and meet them. Second generation, you can't beat that. Uh, culture, language, all those things already instilled from childhood. And so he's able to stand on the shoulders of his father and mother and do a greater work. So we're excited about that. Uh, Johnny texted me, or Laura texted me, Johnny's father uh, dealing with cancer, very serious cancer, uh, throat cancer. And so I think they would consider it a stage four. And so they're going to have to do some feeding tube and different things. So lift up Johnny's family, if you would. And they're just south of here down in Bradenton, Sarasota area. Uh, so let's have the ushers come and uh, we will be dismissed. I want you to come by and meet the, the two families. The wives are scattered, the husbands. And uh, while the men are coming, let me remind you uh, about Saturday morning. Uh, if you are interested, meet at Pioneer Park. Pioneer Park. And this is 9 o'clock. Be there by 9 o'clock. So get there. You have to get parking. Uh, you can contact uh, Scott or Rebecca Morin and get any details. Nicole has a lot of information. And meet at Pioneer Park. That's 50 Bayshore Drive. And then we will take the Walk for Life down to City Hall. And uh, at City Hall, we'll have a program and different things there. I'll be hosting that event. And so it's a good way to take your faith into the public square and uh, out of the house of God and into the public arena, all right? And uh, you'll get people that support you, and you will get people that harass you. But it is a good stand to get out there. So please, uh, it'll be chilly, bundle up, and uh, looking forward to it. We've already mentioned ministry involvement week. We start Sunday. And uh, if you are a ministry leader, there is an email that went out to you today. If you did not get that email, 